0: Well, that's a, a great way to start the morning. And uh, man, so glad that you guys could be here with us. And, uh, and happy 4th of July to you. And whether you're here, those guys, uh, you guys watching online, welcome to you too. And, and glad you guys are with us and just sharing the, the weekend. You know, I uh, got a couple of announcements that I want to make you aware of real quickly. Number one, if, you, uh, if you're new or you've been around for a little while, but we haven't had the chance to meet you, we would love the opportunity to connect. And there's a special card in the back of the chair. In front of you, we call Belong Cart. And we love if you take that out and fill it out and drop it by the next steps area. As you walk out into the lobby, you'll see that area with a table out there. And we've got a special gift for you. You guys online as well, we've got a host that is uh, watching. If you just put in the chat that I'm new, we've got a gift for you as well. But uh, just excited that you're worshiping with us. And want to let you know about, just real quick, we've got a blood drive coming up uh, that we this Wednesday actually from 3 to 7 p.m. And if you haven't registered and you'd like to do that, I know that they're always in need. Uh, you can register uh, through the Red Cross or you can call the office and we can get you set up that way and help, help you uh, get a time slot. But uh, we'd love for you to, to take part in that. And today we're going to be doing a communion a little bit different than we've been doing for a while. We've been having the prepackaged communion. And some of you may prefer to do that if you did it, Hopefully you got some as you came in. But we're going to be passing the communion trays at the end of the service today, and there, you're going to find there's just one tray with two cups in it. So when you pick it up, be sure to pick up two cups, and the cracker will be on the, on the bottom. Uh, but you'll be able to figure that out. But anyway, we're, gonna, we're excited to celebrate communion together and, and be able to kind of have that moment that we haven't had in a long time. So looking forward to that. But we've been in this series. Pardon me, I'm going to grab this table because I feel a little naked up here if I don't have something to sit my arm on. Man. We've been in this series uh, looking at the the life and the leadership of Moses. And one thing, and we call it pivot, and the one thing I've said is sometimes we've got to change what we're doing, but other times we've just got to change our perspective to see what God's doing. And as we look at at the life and the leadership of Moses, there's so much content that we could talk about. We could spend months just covering the story of Moses in Exodus and, and Numbers, but he had this clear calling from God to lead the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt but he was very hesitant and he he doubted himself the whole way the whole way uh, you know as as Moses goes to Pharaoh and and he says I'm not a very good speaker I'm not a very good leader I don't know what I'm doing and God you've got the wrong person every step of the way is full of doubts full of uh, you know just no confidence And, and Moses He wasn't looking at this moment in his life when God called him, he wasn't looking for a life purpose. He never asked for that assignment, he he just, God interrupted what he thought was the the second part of his life and gave him something different to do. And it wasn't terribly convenient. And some of us, we're going through life and we think we've got a plan and we think we know exactly what we're going to do with our life and what it's going to look like, but Very often, God's got some different plans. Are we going to be open to that? Are we going to be receptive to pivot when God calls us to pivot? And and so once these people, the Israelites, were free and they were on their way to the promised land and they're wandering the desert and all these things are happening, that's when all the fun began because Moses is leading about 2 to 3 million people at this point. He's leading them, and they are constantly angry with Moses. They are hot and tired and hungry. I don't know what that was. <laughs> what was I talking about? Well, you get hot and tired and hungry. <laughs> Sound like an angelic music or something. But you ever get Hangry? You know, the expression man, I'm just hangry and I'm hungry and I'm angry and I'm tired. We were in uh, we were in Destin, Florida a few years ago, uh, our family. And it was it was one of those trips that you know, those of you with young kids, there's some vacations that you take that are great and you love it. And then there's other trips that are just like, you look back and it's like, that, that really wasn't very fun. That was one of those for us when we went to Destin. It was kind of bad weather and the kids complained the whole time and, you know, nothing was ever good enough. And it was just like one of those weeks I was like, I just really can't wait to get home. But uh, towards the end of the trip, one day I was really hungry and uh, there was a place there in Destin. is like a chicken salad place. It's called Chicken Salad Chick. And I was like, I really want to go get some, you know, get a sandwich from there. So one night I left Megan and the kids back in the hotel room. I was like, I'm going to run down the street. Traffic was terrible, you know, I mean, it's bumper to bumper all over the place. And I'm hungry and I'm tired and the kids have been complaining. And I'm, I'm pulling up to this place and there's this lady in this car that was behind me. And I guess I wasn't going fast enough, but there's cars everywhere. And she whipped around me, honked her horn and flipped me the bird as she went around. Which that's like one of the top three things that really just get under my skin. Like, don't flip me the bird, you know. But, uh, and she pulls in front of me, and and I realized she was going to turn left to go into this place, the same place that I was going. So I I just kept going, and I'm like, whatever, I'll go to the next entrance. Ended up, because of traffic, I ended up getting into the parking lot before she did. And I was in the restaurant before she was. And so she's standing in line behind me. This is one of those awkward moments, you know. And, uh, and I can kind of hear her just you know, stomping around a little bit. And I get up to the counter, and I order what I wanted. And I said, I wanted this particular kind of chicken salad. And they said, okay, great. And so I, I ordered pay, get out of the way. And she gets up, and she orders the same exact thing that I just ordered. And this is a true story. The lady at the counter says, I'm so sorry. We just ran out. He got the last one. And that lady, she's just, well, that's all I wanted. I've been thinking about that all day. And, I mean, she's just standing around. And you could tell she wanted me to say, oh, you go ahead and have it. But I would have rather given it to a dog at that point (laughs) than have given it to her. I was hangry. I was telling the staff that story this week. Phil Miller started singing, who will be Jesus to her? (laughs) (laughs) Not me. (laughs) You'll do some pretty shady stuff when you're tired and hungry, you know, and you've had too much. And for the Israelite people, they would lose their faith in God at the drop of a hat. You know, God God had done these miraculous things over and over and over, and they'd seen his hand at work over and over again, and then something, there'd be some trouble, there'd be some trial, and they just immediately, the bottom would drop out. These amazing things, God had parted the Red Sea, they walked across on dry land. He was providing food he freed the the plagues i mean all these things that they'd seen and one time moses went up on the mountain to to talk with god and he was gone for 40 days that's when god gave him the 10 commandments and it says that the people while he was gone the people said Where, where's moses he must be gone forever i guess so let's take up some gold and melt it down we'll make an idol and we'll start worshiping this golden calf this golden idol that they made I mean, just lose their faith at, the, at a moment. It, that didn't go over very well. And they, they moaned and they groaned, they complained. At one point it got so bad that it, their complaining had gotten so bad that God said to Moses, hey, you need to get these people moving. It's t- time to go. They're going to get into the promised land. I've made that promise. They're going to get there. But you're going to have to go by yourselves because, and he said this, it said the, the Lord had told Moses to tell them, that you are a stubborn and rebellious people. Do I have that scripture? You're a stubborn and rebellious people. And God says, if I were to travel with you for even a moment, I would destroy you. Some of you had that moment in the car. Like, if I have to turn this car around, I will. We'll pull over right now. But God says, I just want to pound you people into dust. And later on, you see, God does actually go with them. But there's always this back and forth. People are so fickle. We can be on fire one moment and we're ice cold the next. Why do we do that? Why, why is it that we can see God's hand at work in our life and be so amped up about that and then, you know, let a little bit of time go by and we just, I always say our faith leaks. Where does it go? What happens? Do you ever make irrational decisions? Maybe you want to be nice to your spouse and you you're trying to, to make up and the next thing you're yelling and screaming and it's like I thought we were trying to get on the same page or maybe you're trying to save money and you're like we've laid out a budget and we're going to get serious about this and we're tired of living paycheck to paycheck but then the next thing you do you just go and buy some stupid thing and you blow tons of money on something it's like whoa wh- why did I do that or maybe you want to trust God, you say, I'm I'm working on building my faith and my confidence, but then, you know, something happens and you just worry and worry and worry yourself to death. Why do do we want one thing, but we decide to do something completely different? Well, as we look at the life and the leadership of Moses, what we're going to look at today, there's a moment that he probably, probably wasn't very proud of. And he probably wouldn't be thrilled that we're talking about it today, honestly, because it cost him dearly. But I want us to understand today that you you cannot have a positive life if you've got a negative mind. It's impossible. It's impossible to have a happy, a fulfilling, a satisfied, content life if you're always negative. You always see the the worst side of everything. And what we're going to look at is not one of Moses' greatest moments, but it's a great warning it's a great reminder for us we'll pick it up in numbers chapter 20 starting in verse 1 it says in the first month of the year the whole community of israel arrived in the wilderness of zin and camped at kadesh and while they were there miriam died and was buried and there was no water for the people to drink at that place so they rebelled against moses and aaron I just pause there for a second i was hanging out with a friend last night chris cruz of our church he's uh served in the military he was over in in uh, iraq he said you know what i read some of the old testament and the new testament to the middle east area he says it's really hard for us to understand he says i wish everybody could go over there and see it and experience it he said my my one memory that i can still it's so vivid to me even today is how dry and hot it is and how thirsty you get so, you know, we, we get you know, here we get hot, No, man, I need a bottle of water. He said, but there it's a whole different kind of thirst the, the dry air, and the heat, and the, the dust, and everything else. And, and that's exactly what these people are experiencing out in the desert, just dry, arid. And they, they get to this place, there's no water to drink, and so it says they, they get all worked up again. And the people blamed Moses. And those of you that are leaders, you really need to dial in here because you're going to feel some of this. It says they blame Moses and they said, you know what? If only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers back in Egypt. You know, back when we were slaves, back when, you know, back there. Why have you brought us, you know, all of the Lord's people into this wilderness to die along with all of our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt, Moses? This is all your fault. Why did you bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, and no water to drink. There's no Starbucks. There's no Wi-Fi. Man, what are we doing here? I got nothing. This is lame. And it says that Moses and Aaron they turned away from the people and they went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down to the ground. And then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. That's a great verse. That's when God shows up. It's, it's when we've run out of answers. You know, when I, I don't know where to turn, I feel, I feel that. There are moments as, you know, in all of us. And all of us are leaders somewhere. But there are moments in your, in your leadership experience where you've, run out, you've run, come to the end of yourself. Like I've thrown everything I've got at this and now I don't know what to do. That's one of the best places you can be if you trust the Lord. And when Moses had run out, God shows up. When we finally get to that place, Moses says, I've tried everything I can, God. I'm worn out. I'm ragged. I, I've got nothing left. I'm exhausted. I'm frustrated. You know, the moment when you could just easily throw in the towel and say, that's it. This marriage is over. That's it, I wash my hands of these kids. That's it, this job, I, I've, I've done, I've had it. No one appreciates me. Nobody, uh, you know, nobody cares about anything that I do. I mean, whatever, you fill in the blank there. You have finally come to the end of yourself. That's the moment when the glory of the Lord shows up, when you admit, God, I, I am truly powerless to do this on my own. I think those are the moments where God says, good, you finally see where we're at here. You finally understand your position and my position it says that the Lord said to Moses, he said, you and Aaron must take the staff. you got to really remember this. This is that shepherd's staff that he has. Take the staff, the one that you used to part the Red Sea, the one that did all these great miracles in the past. Take that staff and assemble the entire community. And as the people watch, I want you to speak to the rock over there. And it will pour out its water. And you will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. And then he and Aaron summoned all the people, all these millions of people, to come and gather at the rock. And I love the next line. He says, listen, you rebels. I'm going to use that line on my kids one of these days. Next time they get getting under my skin. You rebels, listen to me. Must we bring you water from this rock? Which if you know the story, you know they already did that before. 38 years prior to this, he struck the rock with his staff and water came out. This has happened. This would be the second time that God causes water to come from a rock. And Moses is saying, think about all the things that God has done for you people. Have you forgotten everything? Everything. If you completely abandon, I mean, think of what we've taught you. Think about what God has led us through. Why can't you have a little bit of faith? And it says that then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock, which God did not instruct him to do. He said, speak to the rock. But it says he struck the rock twice with the staff and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. On the surface... It seems that what Moses did worked. He got mad. He hit the rock a couple of times. And water came out. Everybody got some water. It seemed like it may have worked, but it, it doesn't seem like it was wise. It does not mean that it would work over the long haul. And this is why when you try to control people with your anger, or you try to manipulate, or you, you will end up very lonely. Because the cost of controlling, trying to control things, trying to control situations, trying to control people, if you're a controlling kind of person, like I just need things to go a certain way, if that's you, the the price tag of that is you will end up very lonely. That's why it's so important that we understand this, because watch, everybody, everybody here in this account, everyone there got water, but it cost Moses, what God had promised him. Look at the next verse, it says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because this is this is sobering, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land that I am giving them. Even though the water came out of the rock, which that happened. What came out of Moses' heart in that moment prevented him from going any further. They were right on the edge. They were, theologians say, they were probably a, several weeks from entering into the, I mean they'd been wandering for 40 years and they were a couple of weeks away from entering into the promised land. And even though all the people were happy and the people were impressed and the people might not have even known that there was anything wrong, Yeah, Moses got mad again, hit the rock, but hey, we're, we're busy drinking now. Now we got what we wanted. The people got hydrated. The people got what they wanted. But Moses lost what God had promised. There's applications here for for us. I wonder what would have happened if Moses, instead of hitting the rock, I wonder what would have happened if he had taken his staff and just knocked a few people over the head. I think God probably would have said, okay, yeah, I get it. They probably needed that. Now speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. Moses had a a clear instruction, clear, crystal clear. As our culture today, we want to redefine what God's word says. You know, I I don't know, I I, I think we can reinterpret that. I don't like that scripture, so I'll I'll, I'll twist it to justify what I want it to say. Because I don't want to trust what God says, so I'm going to Bend it a little bit to fit my will a little bit better. And this is Moses. He said, the Lord said, I want you to speak to the rock. And in his frustration and in his anger, probably his exhaustion, he lost his cool. He acted irrationally and crack, crack, hit the rock. I always feel bad for Moses when I read this story. Because I'm, I'm looking at the Israelites and, and they're talking to Moses. And, they're, and I, get, I see why they're frustrated too. When you're hangry, when you're hot and you're tired and it's dry and all these things... You don't feel like you have what you need to live. When you, if you feel like your life is in danger, you would do things that you wouldn't normally do. Like buy up all the toilet paper for everybody. You know what I mean? It's stuff like that. You know, irrational stuff. And you almost want to explain to people, you know, it's like, oh man, I don't know why I did that. Can we just rewind the tape like five minutes? I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I don't know where that came from. I'm just mad. or I'm just hungry. I'm just tired. I, you know, what, what happened? Can we just take that back? And sometimes you can't undo it. And what the Israelites said to Moses, apparently, it hit a nerve. It hit that button. We've all got that button. That when you push that button, I'm going to go a little bit, I'm going to get a little, it's going to get redneck up in here real quick. And when you push that button, you know, that's, that's when, it, when it comes out, the claws come out. And if you, don't, if you say, well, you know, I don't think I have a button, you just haven't found it yet. You've got one. We've all got one. Everybody's got a boiling point. It can happen so quick. Moses is this man of God, the leader of the people. And he's violently striking a rock when God wanted to show grace to his people. And there's a couple of negative mindsets I see here, just like these, like two trains that collide. And sometimes things happen in our life, we wonder, how did we get to this point? How did I get here as a a person where I just flew off the handle, or I said things I didn't mean, or I'm just, why why am I here? There's two challenges that can cause negative thinking. One is when your experience is different than your expectation. You know, this is what I was expecting, but that is not the way life is ending up. The Israelite people had just finished telling Moses about how they were going to die. He said, You brought us out here and, and we're going to die and it's all your fault now. Why did you bring us out here? And they weren't actually about to die. God wasn't going to let them die. You know, they'd lost their faith, but they were on the edge of destiny. They were about to take the land. This was, was going to be, uh, and they ride off into the sunset happily ever a- after, and God provided everything they need for generations. But they think, oh, we're going to die. We're going to die. It wasn't going to happen. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? There we had figs, and we had grapevines, and we had pomegranates, and we had grain. They forgot the whips. You know, They forgot the mud and the clay and the, and the, and the work and the slavery and the mistreatment and the pain and the death they conveniently left all of that out they begin to glamorize a past that didn't exist just the good old days well, back in the back in my day back in the good old days i get it man i get it we we love to reminisce and we think back but just remember it's tempting to go back there in your mind as long as you know and remember that your version of the past is just as imaginary as your version of the future we remember highlights but we, we conveniently forget all the hard parts. So when you're frustrated, it's not your life that you're frustrated with. It's your life compared to your expectation of your life. Some of you, 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 have a, you think you have a bad marriage and you're frustrated and you're on the verge of leaving all because your marriage is not like what you see on the Hallmark Channel. And the truth is you don't have a bad marriage. You might be going through a difficult season, and maybe you all need to talk it out. Maybe it's time to go see a counselor, but you don't have a bad marriage. It's just the version that you've got in your mind does not exist. It's not a real thing. It's on the Hallmark Channel. That stuff is fake. <laughs> they don't go through life like we do. You know, some of you, you, you just you fly off the handle because you're late to something. You know, you got stuck in traffic. What normally takes you 15 minutes now it took you 30. And so you're frustrated and you're angry and you end up just kind of cutting into somebody. And maybe you didn't sleep well the night before and you're already a little anxious anyway. So you're losing your cool, but you're not angry at the people in the car. You're not angry to the, to the, the, the person at work. The truth is, you're, you're, you're just your experience isn't matching what you expected. It took a little different turn. You expected to be there on time and to be rested and to have energy and for everybody to be happy. And that's not what happened. But that version only existed in your head. It didn't happen. You know, we, some of us managers, leaders at work or wherever, and we we just think that, you know, we we expect that everything is going to trend up and to the right all the time. Like, we're always going to be going, everything's always going to be going well. People are going to enjoy working with me, and they're going to enjoy what they do, and everything's going to be happy, happy kumbaya, and we're all going to, you know, show up on time and do stuff together, and everything's going to be great, and it's all going to trend up and to the right, and then you find out that that's not the way life is, because people are messy. And there's problems. It's that version, that expectation that you had is not... Been your experience, but there's another thing I see in this story that causes negative thinking, and that's when you feel inadequate, when you bump up against that, and you realize, wow, I'm I'm really not enough here. So I'm reading back through this story this past week, and I'm trying to get into Moses's head. He's trying to keep people happy, he's trying to lead, he's trying to be as helpful as he can be, as faithful as he can be. What what happened? Why did he lose his cool so bad? Look at that part in verse ten again. It says. He said, listen, you rebels, he shouted, must we bring you water from this rock? I thought, he's he's just got to be tired from these people. He's just got to be sick of them. Like, he's tired of being taken for granted. He's just tired. And then I realized there's more to this. There's more. He is still dealing with a fear that he's carried with him the entire time. For all these years, he's still, from the, from the very beginning, when Moses left Egypt in the first place, after he accidentally killed an Egyptian, he was trying to protect one of his own people, and he ended up killing this Egyptian, and he runs out of fear. He, he, and then God calls him through the burning bush, and he says, No, 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 not me, not me, I'm not, I'm not a good speaker, I'm not a good leader, I can't do this, I'm not a good communicator, find somebody else, pick somebody stronger. Pick somebody more capable with more experience. Pick somebody who doesn't struggle with what I struggle with because I'll let you down, God, and I'll let them down. You add to that, Moses is dealing with 40 years of frustration with these people that keep saying, why did you bring us out here to die? Why would you do this to us, Moses? We miss the good old days. I realized this week that Moses, he didn't respond what they said he responded to how he felt he was responding out of pain he was responding because he felt inadequate the whole time he never thought that he had what 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 he needed to have and many of us feel the same way so when you respond in anger or you isolate you know, you, you pull away whatever it is that you do when your button gets pushed. Often you're responding to the pain that you've been carrying around the whole time. You're not even aware that it's there, but, but it is. And you're not mad at that person. You're not mad at that circumstance. Yeah, the expectation was a little different. And, but you've got a negative mindset. And you've got feelings of inadequacy that have been brewing for a long time. So what's the pivot for us? What do we do with that? And, you know, how do we break the cycle of negativity and, and not respond out of pain? In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul writes about this. He writes about Moses. He writes about the Israelites. And he says that everything that happened, Paul says, everything that happened to those people happened so that we would have an example. That so it would be like a warning for us that we could you know, understand life, that we wouldn't establish some kind of idol in our lives. And he says in chapter 10, verse 1, he says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food And all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them. And that rock was Christ. I was reading this past week and I was reminded that the rock was Christ. It wasn't about Moses. It wasn't about the staff. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. Everything. He's the rock. He's the foundation. Moses was cut off from the promise of God because he didn't do things God's way. That's why. He couldn't obey. He he did not have faith. In that moment when the community needed water, this was to be their last test. This was the last moment. But they don't know it. But this is is the moment to see if they really trust God. And Moses failed the test. What I I could not understand is, is interesting. Why did God tell him to take the staff? You Remember, if you look back and read it, God said to him, Hey, Moses, get the staff and then go speak to the rock. Why did he tell him to take the staff? If he wasn't going to use it, and I, I puzzled about that this week, and why, why would he do that? Because in the past, the last time he did, he told him take the staff, strike the rock, and water came out. But this time, he said take the staff, but then he said to speak to the rock. Why did he? Why did he tell him to take it if he didn't want him to use it? Just hold it. And then I, I remembered what Moses said to God when God first called him. He said, "I'm not good at speaking." And God said, "It's okay. I'm going to have you lead." the people into my promise but God had to know do you trust me enough will you follow my instructions and what God said he said Moses you can't when, when God said you can't lead these people I don't think it was for punishment I think it was for protection I think that's what happened. I think that if if Moses would have led them in, the condition that his heart was in at that moment, they would have died on the first day because they wouldn't have followed God's instructions. And I think he he was saying, you've got to follow exactly as I say. You don't get to reinterpret. You don't get to decide which parts of what I say you're going to follow and which parts you're not. You follow exactly exactly is from the, the mouth of the Lord. These are my directions. These are my instructions. God needs someone who's not dependent on their staff. He so said, I know that you struck the Nile River, and I know that you struck the Red Sea, and I know that this staff has been used to perform great miracles. And I want you to hold it in your hand, but I want you to have the faith to not use it. To trust me. Speak to the rock. Show grace to the people. But he struck it instead. And God said, if you, don't have, if you don't trust me enough, you've allowed this resentment to build to a point that it has killed your potential. And when we allow resentment to build and build and build, when we never really believe that what, what God says we are, when we are constantly taking other people's assessments of who we are as the ultimate reality, it limits our participation in the promise of God. It cuts us off from the promise of God. It doesn't keep God from loving you. God will still love you. But it can keep us from being able to lead into the great and precious promises that have your name on them. God said, I just need you to trust me. It was never about Moses. It was never about the staff. And it was never about me or you. It's all about Jesus. Do we trust him today? Will we take God at his word? Not our word. Not our interpretation. Will we take him at his mighty word and follow? Let's stand together. We're going to sing.